3: Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher
1: Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner recruiting
3: It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts Soonerscoop.com publishers Gary Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. Eddie Rapps
2: Oh my God, we're almost to signing day. That's right. Here we are on uh, the middle, or the, well, the end of January. Signing day coming up on February 1st on a Wednesday. So we're a week away, maybe a little shorter than that if you're listening, uh, depending on when you're listening. So I want to welcome in the whole gang is here once again. Josh McQuistion joins us from him, his home base, Eddie Radosevich and Joe Duvall in studio. And uh, boys, uh, welcome to our uh, pre-signing day unofficial 40 podcast.
0: It's like uh, we're seven days seven days away. You can start the uh, the final countdown, and uh, I, I'm sure that uh, this will be a uh, podcast that a lot of people will want to listen to. Yeah, I was surprised you didn't I open with bare naked ladies.
2: I don't know why
3: people would be interested right now.
0: Yeah, there's not much going on. East class is uh, secured, isn't it, Josh?
3: Well, do you guys remember a month ago we were talking about how this was going to be very formulaic and it was all just going to kind of go to plan. Almost nothing has gone to plan over the next two weeks, I guess, and and stupid for me to even think that it would go that way, but it's it's signing day, crazy stuff just happens. I don't know why drama just becomes the way that is, but... That's that's what we're looking at with Jacob Phillips and, obviously, Oklahoma trying to close some other positions.
2: Well, let's start with Jacob Phillips. Uh, obviously, a lot of things flying around uh, since his official visit, even during his official visit. I mean, I think we went from last week's podcast was uh, Josh feeling very confident that he knew what was going on, uh, what was happening in every moment of, of Jacob Phillips' recruitment. Uh, Josh, how much has your opinion changed since uh, our podcast a week ago?
3: You know, it's changed quite a bit, and I think it's. I guess I feel, in some ways, I feel a little vindicated about my opinion last week. But at the same time, I, as time has passed, I was wrong, and I say that because talking to Woody Womack, who has talked, you know, to people and has talked with me, you know, we, we've had a lot of conversations. Woody talked with Jacob, and Jacob said it was better than I expected at LSU, kind of giving the indication that he thought he was just kind of going down there and going to see things then going to come home and say, hey, I'm going to Oklahoma. I think LSU turned his head a little bit. Um, I think, and I've said it all week, I think the longer this goes without him announcing anything, the better it is for Oklahoma. If he'll get to that Friday in-home yeah. home visit when I think Tim Kish will be there, Kerry Cooks, I think Oklahoma will roll out the Army for him next Friday. Obviously, Bob Stoops can't be there because he's already made his one in-home visit. But other than that, I think Oklahoma will roll out in huge force for Jacob Phillips and try to close that down and have it done so that they can focus on closing guys. You know, and, and does Jacob Phillips help you with Marvin Wilson, who really liked his in-home visit? There's a lot of ways that can go. But I think if Oklahoma gets to Friday, can go in home, and he's still a part of the, you know, I guess officially still a part of the class,
1: then Oklahoma has a lot of reason to feel good. Josh, take us through. I think people would be interested on uh, what what that process is like for the coaches. This last week, they got five star guys committed that they're trying to uh, nail down. They got other five star guys they're trying to get committed, trying to swing maybe that they're leaning other places. What is this last week like in those Oklahoma coaches' offices?
3: Well, it, it's chaotic. I mean, you know, you you understand some of that, Joe, with your time you know spent in the athletic okay. department. But I mean, there is just no. There's no time for anything because, I mean, not only are they working 2017, they're working 2018. I mean, you know, we just saw a tweet where uh, Calvin Thibodeau's in the St. Louis area recruiting 2018 defensive linemen where he's got three or four offers out to guys in that city. So
2: We saw a 2020 you, offer this week. Basketball. Yeah, right? yeah, I mean,
3: it it's just – there's recruiting and, you know, carry – you're with me, you' You can remember when there was a period after signing day when everybody just got to exhale and kind of catch their breath, and then about you know late April, early May, we all got rolling again. Well, that doesn't exist anymore. So not only is Oklahoma trying to close oh, in this last day. week, they're scheduling going out you know to try to start 2018 and really get it rolling, where we've seen probably 20 offers go out this week.
2: I remember when we used to have a break.
1: <laughs> Breathings for losers. <laughs> There's no time to breathe. Josh, you brought up Marvin Wilson in there. Is there is there real smoke there? How how What should Oklahoma fans be feeling when it comes to Marvin Wilson? Any kind of optimism, tepid op- optimism there? I would call it a puncher's chance.
3: I don't think there's any question that o- he really, really liked his in-home visit. Um, talking to some people that I know at Episcopal, talking to some people around Marvin, Uh, Now, I won't say I have not had a chance to sit down with Marvin. This has been kind of a weird week with him. But I do get the feeling that he really, really was impressed with what OU pitched him. You know, Everybody, of course, saw the picture with all the coaches in his jersey and all that. I mean, Oklahoma made a a spectacle of that in-home, which is not something we've always seen from OU. I I thought it was really a strong move by them. But I think Oklahoma knew going in, this is probably unlikely, but what's it hurt? We're going to give it our best shot, we're going to throw everything out there on the table, and whatever happens, happens. Because it's not like recruiting Marvin Wilson is taking away from recruiting another player. This is their only nose, you know, interior defensive lineman, I guess true interior defensive lineman that they're really looking at. They're looking at some defensive ends and some other guys in other roles But this wasn't taking away from that effort, so they went in, threw everything they had at it, and if it happens, it happens, and if not, they're no worse for it. So I I think Oklahoma fans should probably expect him to go to LSU. I think there's an outside shot for Ohio State, maybe Florida State, but Oklahoma is, after LSU, I think it's you throw them up in the air. I think any of them are a possibility, but I think it's LSU, and then I think Ohio State, Florida State, and Oklahoma all have a a shot I guess you'd say
0: it's interesting looking at the two different I guess variances of the recruitment of Jacob Phillips and the recruitment of Marvin Wilson just in that you know I would think that for Oklahoma fans and I think that you kind of hit on this in uh, the Wednesday notes section on the board Josh was just the simple fact that Jacob Phillips is committed to Oklahoma I mean isn't there a I guess a a compare contrast type thing that we can do and looking at those two recruitments and and maybe the bigger uphill battle is with Marvin Wilson but at the same time you have a guy that's already committed in Jacob Phillips and would that be tougher to overcome if it was I guess the other way around I think that's a
3: really interesting point and I think when you're looking at it with regard to how different the two recruitments are when you talk about a guy that philosophically fits Oklahoma Jacob Phillips is that guy He's not—he's a no-nonsense guy. He doesn't need all the frills. He's not—he's not one that's going to get caught up in a lot of the other stuff that doesn't matter. Jacob is very much focused on what's going to make me better. What's going to—you know—the the 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 very basic details of his recruitment. Marvin—and I'm not saying Marvin's not—but Marvin is a guy that he likes the attention. He likes being in the middle of all this stuff. If he didn't, he you know, Marvin could have announced for probably four months now, you know I mean? Not to say that he's made his decision, but I think there's no question that guys that run out to signing day, they know before signing day. Mm -hmm. I'll never buy the, I made my decision last night stuff. No, you didn't. You've known for a little while. So if Marvin wasn't interested in that, I, I think he could have done this, but that, you know, like that's not to say that Marvin's a bad guy, but I do think, and you mentioned it from Wednesday notes that I think the fact that Jacob is in OU's camp is a huge card for OU right now because not only does he have that mindset of I'm going to OU and he's had that on his mind for months now, but he also has I'm going to have to call OU and say I'm not coming. And that's for a kid like Jacob who's very, like I said, very much about business and very much someone who wants to be a man of his word and really takes these things seriously – that's really tough for him to get his head around, in my opinion. So I think it helps OU. And again, I keep saying, I think Jacob wants to be at OU. That is the impression that I have. But at the same time, I think there are some people around him that really want him to look at LSU. And I think there is some debate of how much they want him to be at LSU. Do they Are they going to push him that direction? Or is it just a matter of, hey, take a
0: look. We want you to give this some serious consideration. I would think that phone, that phone call... You know, you say that the phone call to the coaches would be tough. I think that phone call to Robert Barnes or to Creed Humphrey or whoever, Levi Draper, would be even tougher. I don't know if you could just, I mean, that's almost going into the KD-Russ bullshit way that KD left Oklahoma City was was just the nice. text that he sent Russell Westbrook, and I, I don't know. I, I, I think that maybe, I, I think that we've given a lot of credence to that that. that Hump was going to be tough to overcome for Jacob Phillips, and maybe, maybe that that ends up being the, the last hurdle that uh, that ends up getting Jacob Phillips
1: to stay and uh, attend Oklahoma. You both made multiple points of why this thing is so strange to me. Josh said it on last week's podcast. I thought it was a great point that Jacob initially said he wanted to take all five visits, the first five weeks, get it over with. He commits to Oklahoma. He seems to really like Oklahoma. He seems to wants to be at Oklahoma. He enjoys his classmates. And yet this LSU visit pops up right at the end. And it doesn't seem like anybody has a great reason why. I mean, can, can someone give me the reason why? It feels like there's nothing concrete. It's all a lot of mystery out there. Why is Jacob visiting LSU at this point?
0: I, you know, I, I think that you look at, uh, the especially I think, if, if you're Oklahoma, you can play it in the fact that, A, they offered him, what, a year before LSU did? They've been with him for, for the longest time, and I think that you can also probably try and sell the fact that if you're OU, that, you know, I don't know. I I, I just, I guess you sell the fact that you've been with this guy for so long. Why would, uh, I don't know. It just feels like he was kind of the flavor of the week after that All-American stuff, and then LSU was like, okay, yeah, we probably need to go get him, or Coach o, somebody finally broke down what football
1: was, and he was like, yeah, I, I guess we need to uh, to go get him. <laughs> <laughs> I read that Ferrell, the Mike Farrell piece that we have on the board that everybody loves. Um, but I'm getting overwhelming support from yeah. the Sooner community right now. You know, I'm reading that thing, and I was looking in there. I was genuinely like, all right, where's this information? Where's the Why is Jacob going to LSU? Where's this tie? And it's just not in there. There's it's n- opinion. It's nothing. It's just – but, there, I mean, there's nothing anywhere. I can't find it anywhere other than you hear SEC and you hear defense. But I can't find that connection between Jacob and LSU. I just don't understand where it came from. I don't know. It, it's, it's all very confusing to me, because that's not the kid that you would have expected that to come from, because he wanted this to be over with. Done. Is it just... I mean, I, am I just blown in the wind here about the SEC? Am I crazy? I think it's... Is that not something that it has to do with? Is It's just this SEC... Look,
2: it's it's become this this national narrative that people, because they don't have any thoughts of their own, just keep repeating over and over and over. And I'm not trying to rip on Mike Farrell, and, like... He. It is true. You look at the NFL. I looked at the list because I had people texting me today, all pissed off about this stuff. I said, "Here's LSU's list, and here's a, I mean, OU has Dom Alexander and Corey Nelson in the NFL mm-hmm. right now as linebackers. Uh, LSU. I don't have the list in front of me, but I know they're. I mean, it's not like you. You think of LSU, and you think, oh, that's a linebacker place. You think that's where defensive tackles go. Yeah. Uh, but not so much linebackers. And I just think, yeah, it's an opinion. It's an opinion that the SEC, it, it's, it's, it's a false opinion based on what we saw in the bowl season because the SEC sucked. The other thing is we saw OU play Auburn. We saw OU wear down Auburn's defense, and I would say Auburn's defense was better than LSU's this year.
1: I think they were I, statistically. I Yes, yeah, st- they were in top they were. 20
2: before they played. I didn't see what they finished.
1: But yeah, LSU had a had a rough season this year. And the SEC was statistically one of the worst conferences in the bowl season defensively. They gave up uh, on average uh, close to the most points of any other conference in the country. I, I, I mean, I, we're going a little off topic here, but I just, I guess, I don't, I don't under. Is that just the only pool? Is that is that from Jacob himself? Oh, the SEC, the lure of LSU because he had an opportunity to go to Alabama. He chose Oklahoma yeah. over Alabama. I the LSU stuff, it just baffles me. It baffles me where it came from and why this is latched on to Jacob and why this is the decision here. At
2: the I, look, I'll say this. If, if I had a sales pitch to Jacob, it would probably be something more like, look, you didn't go to Alabama. If you go to LSU, people are going to say, well, you didn't go to Alabama because they didn't want you. Why not just set your own course and say, I'm going to go to Oklahoma where people say the defense sucks, and I'm gonna be one of the best linebackers in the country there. And I'm gonna make my own mark. Not in the SEC where everybody says you're just a product of the system. You're gonna, you know, you play defense, you go play defense somewhere with all these other defensive guys, and you're just gonna get in the NFL. People get into the NFL from anywhere. I mean, yeah. I'm watching I'm watching these games over the weekend. I didn't see a ton of I mean, it's not like every player on defense, especially the guys so that's not like they were all from the SEC. No.
0: I, and I, I will say, Clay Matthews is not from the SEC. He's one of the best pass rushers in the league. I will say uh, LSU finished tenth in, in uh, total defense this Didn't year. did Dwight
2: Freeney go to Syracuse? Auburn finished
0: twenty eighth. So, uh, okay, say that again. <laughs> LSU finished tenth in uh, total okay. defense. Auburn finished twenty eighth. No, look at look at the uh, Senior Bowl stuff. I think yesterday, even though I think he's a complete moron, uh, you know, Kuyper's top four guys were from non Power Five schools uh, down at the Senior Bowl uh, yesterday in Mobile. So. I I just I think a lot of the time that it kind of gets built into this narrative and, you know, it's going to take Oklahoma or somebody to uh, start nabbing a guy like uh, Jacob Phillips to 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 change that narrative. Don't you think, Josh?
3: Well, yeah, guys. I mean, you know, and just to kind of further your point, maybe the best young linebacker in the NFL is from Buffalo. I mean, you know, yeah, Khalil Mack's a monster. And so, I mean, you know, if you have talent, you have talent that that's just. It's one of these things where, and I think people think it's got something to do with the SEC. It's got something to do with the SEC is the best recruiting talent hotbed in the country. I mean, you, Let me interrupt you. Here,
2: here's the asinineness of all, is that one of the most recognized offensive players in the NFL is Odell Beckham Jr., who comes from one of the most crap
1: offenses couldn't in get college th- football. Yeah, couldn't get 1,000 yards at LSU. Look at
3: OJ Howard. Guy might end up a oh, top ten God. pick and nobody knew who the hell he was until the championship games
0: the last two years. Except it's, for recruiting guys. It's amazing. Yeah. Josh <laughs> tweeted it uh, I think yesterday during the rewatching the uh senior, senior bowl stuff. Yeah. It's amazing when like he has those big catches against uh who was it, Washington in the semifinal game. Or no, it was the championship game against Clemson. Back to back to back years, and everybody's like, Oh, this guy, this guy must be really good. And then all this yeah, that was my phone. I screwed up when it goes by a great guy. <laughs> they might be my it might be my contacts, though. Well, to so. be fair,
3: you destroyed your own point. So, you know, you slowed yourself down.
0: Yeah. O.J. Howard looking like a. badass. Oh, yeah. And he's just a badass. And, and then we're like, yeah, we we saw this when he was like 17 and he was mauling dudes all the time uh, down in Atlanta at the uh, the five star when we saw him. So
2: because was like, why the hell are you going to Alabama? Yeah. Like go That's, to like Miami or somewhere where like, you know, Jimmy Graham at least came from.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it feeds your point,
3: though. Didn't even matter. Didn't even no. matter at all. He played he was for talented. an offense that yeah. didn't suit him,
1: and he's going to be a top-ten pick. I'm scrolling through Pro Football Focus's uh, top defenders. I'm seeing Cleo Mack from Buffalo, Brandon Graham from Michigan. I'm seeing Malcolm Butler, who he went to what? What did he go like? Uh, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi or something? Uh, Malcolm
0: Butler was uh, yeah. like sou- south. It wasn't south Alabama, I don't think. Wasn't a big school, I'll tell you that. No, it was. Uh, they've been talking about it. As a as a huge Pats fan for the Super Bowl, I should know this. <laughs> Chris Harris went to Kansas. Hell, that one okay guy, preps.
2: the one Byron is it Byron Thomas from Dallas that was from Connecticut,
0: West Alabama. I mean, he's Alcorn a
2: he's State. a badass young player. He didn't play in the SEC.
1: Man, the point is, if you if you're that Maurice good, Claiborne like,
2: is the worst player in the Dallas secondary, and he was an All American at coming out of LSU.
1: <laughs> I wonder if LSU can make that recruiting pitch: come here and you can suck and still get picked in the top ten. That's well, not a bad pitch, actually.
3: <laughs> the the thing is, I mean, if you want to make this case, I at LSU, if, if if we're talking about Jacob Phillips, the safety, okay, I can kind of get it. Like you look at what LSU's done at defensive back, Tyron Matthew, Jamal Adams is going to be a top ten pick this Eric year. Eric Reed, yeah, Morris Claiborne, Eric Reed. You go down the list. I mean, they have churned yeah, out DBs.
2: Jalen Adams at, is getting getting to yeah. leave early. Yeah.
3: At linebacker, though? I mean, really, in the last six years, they've got one first round pick, and that's Barcavius Mingo, Mingo yeah. who was an elite national recruit. I mean, that's not you didn't make him into something he wasn't. you you, I mean, that guy was really talented and he made plays while he was there. I, you know, like I said, I don't want this to turn into a wolf. It's just crazy because I mean, I do understand some of the narrative of LSU. I do, but at the same time, I think it, it becomes bigger than it really is. It, it becomes, well, these guys, you know, it's because they went to the SEC. Well, it's because they're really, really talented. I mean, I'll tell you this.
2: Reuben Foster was one of the biggest high school kids I've ever seen at linebacker. They went to Alabama. Alabama actually had to get him to lose weight to have a great year like he had this past year. Like they thought he
0: was carrying too much weight.
2: But like, that kid was going to be good no matter where he went. He could have gone to the whack and he would have been fantastic.
0: Exactly. He might have killed exactly. somebody in the whack. <laughs> he might have actually killed a player in the whack. Would have looked like Ron L. Lewis at Dewar. He probably
2: would have made him quarterback in the whack.
3: Well, I mean, did Leonard Fournette become great because he went to LSU? No, Leonard Fournette would have been a monster at Boise State. I mean, you know, that's... It, guys that are just physically gifted are physically gifted. It has nothing to do with any of that. Now, they're now there are missed evaluations by coaches and by guys like myself I mean that happens all the time but that that doesn't mean that you're a better player because you went to the SEC you're just you're just a talented guy and you went to the SEC and you know they put you in a system that worked
2: let's face it I mean it, uh, some uh, a lot of it is like I said before it is just dumbed down narrative that keeps getting put back and regurgitated by people that Don't really think that much about. I mean, let's face it: most national people don't pay that much attention to college football, and they just repeat the same crap that they hear over and over again. Now, like if you hear Herb Street saying this, which you never will, like then that's maybe there's something to it. But I'd say right now, the Big Ten can claim to have just as much speed, just as much talent on defense as the as the SEC does. I mean, Ohio State bows down to nobody athletically, and Clemson—they're not in the SEC. They can handle themselves just fine. Florida State. Florida State's right up there, too. And I think Oklahoma, we'll see. But they, if they can get some defensive line play, they could be up in that, you know, in that discussion a little bit with Caleb Kelly coming
0: on. They're getting closer. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I, I think I sat here you know, months ago after the Ohio State game saying that they weren't, when in reality, I you know, was definitely probably wrong on that. They're getting closer. Uh, I think it's,
3: I mean, you got guys like Neville Gallimore coming. I mean, Neville Gallimore is an NFL kind of guy if, if if it goes to plan. So there there's reason for hope. I don't think there's any question that what LSU is using on Oklahoma. is not really about the NFL production. It's about what's going to be in front of you. We're going to have Marvin Wilson. We're going to have Tyler Shelvin. We're going to have Davin Godchow. They're going to have all these guys, and Oklahoma can say, well, we've got Neville. And we've got Amani Bledsoe that was a highly recruited kid, but he won't play till mid seat. you know, there it's just a matter of perception, and Oklahoma is gonna have to fight that a little bit because as good a player as Matt Romar is, I doubt Jacob Phillips understands it. I doubt yeah. that he thinks, Oh yeah, Matt Romar, that's a that's a possible NFL guy if he could ever or, stay
2: healthy. Or the possibility of Q Overton being a really good player.
3: Exactly. Yeah, he's gonna I mean, he didn't ever see Q Overton play. I mean, there, there's no question. Um so Oklahoma's got to kind of fight that battle as much as anything because don't get me wrong LSU has a ton of talent on their defensive line and as
0: a linebacker that's something you want. I I get that argument. How do you think they are going about doing that as far as the coaches? What how how do you think that if I guess it you mean their recruiting pitch kind yeah, of Yeah, kind of their what what is their pitch right now to uh to to Jacob Phillips and especially uh what's your pitch if you're going in on Friday or uh, or Thursday and uh, what, are, what are you saying to him? I've said
3: it all along. I think you've got to be really careful about attacking LSU because clearly th- there's interest there. And I think when you get into that, there's two ways that can go and one can be really good and one can turn the kid off. Cause if mm-hmm. you're coming off defensive and we're worried about them and you know, we're not going to, you know, it, it's just, it's a lot like politics. Like a lot of people are going to get turned off. And I think in my opinion, Jacob is one of those kind of people, if you start talking bad about someone that they have affinity for, and clearly, to whatever level, Jacob has affinity for LSU and Dave Aranda and that whole thing. So you've got to be mindful of LSU stinks and they're feeding you lies and that kind of thing. I go in there and I'm, I ask Jacob, what are your questions, what are your concerns, and then, I, and then I answer them, and I can be a little more aggressive in those because I'm not coming after LSU I'm answering his questions. I'm talking about what he wants to know about. And then at the end, just again like politics, you pivot. Well, I want you to think about your relationship with Coach Kish, who's been with you from day one. He offered you three years ago. He loves you. You're his guy. He wants to build the defense around you. Or, or Mike Stoops Tim wants Kish, to build the defense around you.
2: I think Tim Kish just, just should just start
0: crying, <laughs> just weeping <laughs> as that pitch is going on. Takes out his wallet. Yeah. Jacob, these are my grandchildren. (laughs) They're not going to be able to eat. And he's got like a superimposed picture of Jacob like next to (laughs) him.
1: (laughs) They're not going to be able to eat if you don't come here. You need to go (laughs) passive-aggressive mother. Go on. Go to LSU.
2: I only offered you a year earlier, but go on. Jacob, this Mm -hmm. is a termination notice I was just served. It says, if you don't come back with Jacob... Don't come back to Norman. I'd be mm-hmm. such
0: a bad coach. I'd be throwing everybody under the bus. You would a be part, a part of the LSU But here's program. the thing, and, and
3: I
2: think I'd Oklahoma. Be meth down there.
3: Oklahoma. That's what we should hear. Is what, what's Eddie's pitch? If he's if he's OU, how fire and brimstone do you go? His Eddie? pitch
2: is the Louisiana chili. There's suck. A, don't there's, go there. There's
0: a lot of f words. <laughs>
2: here's the. I mean, look, and here's what you got to realize about OU, and and I I think what you're saying is right on, Josh, about the negative recruiting or the or taking the negative approach. Oh, yep. you established this as kind of the benchmark before this class, and Josh can back me up on this. When they started hauling out all the trophies and making the focus, you know, their championships, Bob has kind of always been. We're not going to go negative. Like no matter who they've recruited, and they've had a lot of these LSU battles. They've had a lot of uh, battles against the SEC over the years, Texas, A and M, whatever. I think they've always tried to focus on. Look, this is what we do. We we win games. Uh, we you know we play for championships. We produce all Americans. We put guys in the NFL. They focus on what they do well, which is smart. And I think somewhere along the line they were getting frustrated. I'd say Josh probably like three years ago, the staff was get, getting really frustrated because they felt like their pitch was no longer working or the kids didn't care about winning. Remember, it was about the whole Baylor and all the the all you know alt uniforms and. Oregon and, and kids were seemed to be like they cared more about the flash than they did about the the uh, uh the the results on the field and that's when I think oh you kind of in <laughs> credit Jerry Montgomery he's one of the kind of the first guys when he started you know the it's there's levels to this the old drake stuff mm-hmm. just wait uh, on it through twitter and all of a sudden OU put a lot of marketing muscle behind that getting that message out there of we win championships at Oklahoma. This is what we do. This is what we're about. We're not about, and they didn't say it specifically. They never said, we're not about you know, 87 different uniform combinations. We're not, not going to have the flashiest locker room, or we're not going to have uh, DJs on our you know, practice field every day. They made a conscious effort to say, this is what we're about. This is what we want you to pay attention to. Because nobody else, or very few other programs, can offer you what we're offering you, which is a chance to win, a chance to get uh, recognized individually, a chance to go to the NFL. So I, yeah, I don't think they're going to go into LSU at all and say, "Don't go there," because this, this, and this. They're just going to try and reinforce why they think he picked, you know, why he picked OU in the first place, and why they think he should stay with them.
1: It helps also these last couple of years uh, finishing, you know, fifth in the country, making the college football playoff. That gets your uh, name recognition and your clout back up because that. Two Heisman yeah, Trophy yeah, finals. A few years ago, were, those kids that were coming through were all of a sudden kids that probably didn't remember the year 2000, probably didn't remember when Bob Stoops had won a national title. Now it's starting to get back in the consciousness of people that, oh, yeah, this is a really good program. This is a blue blood program. I think the problem for Oklahoma, I think they have done a really good job of changing kind of their messaging and, their, and how they package this stuff. And I remember he had a website, bobstoops.com. A few years ago that really kind of started that whole thing off and it was a really well done site Um, but when you when you that works well regionally with the Big 12 Oklahoma should be able to dominate recruiting with that stuff the problem is when you're in a matchup with Alabama or LSU or somebody like that how do you differentiate yourself if you're Oklahoma because they win championships too and so I think that's where guys like Lincoln Riley have really helped guys like Jerry Montgomery helped before where Oklahoma has been able to kind of ascend to that next level beyond just pointing to their championships and trophy case
0: well, if you're talking about anybody besides Alabama, you just ask them, do you want to win 10 games or do you want to win seven or eight games and have a nice bowl game and be done by December 25th?
2: Well, the other thing you say is, look, Bob Stoops has been here for 18 years. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. He's, he's got a track record of winning, like you said. He was at the college football playoff two years ago, winning the Sugar Bowl a year ago got your Heisman, you know, finalist quarterback have the Heisman, you can say you have the Heisman Trophy favorite based on Bovada yeah, yeah. that came out last week or this week. So I mean, what's a better bet that you're going to be playing for a, a national championship in
0: Oklahoma next year or LSU? I think that's all you have to say. <laughs> don't even have to answer it.
3: Really? I, I mean, for the foreseeable future, I don't even care. I mean, Baker Mayfield obviously is a huge loss for OU next year. But at what point are you like, yep, LSU's getting past Alabama? It's not even that I think necessarily that two years from now, maybe LSU couldn't be just as good as Oklahoma. OU doesn't have to go through Alabama to get there.
1: Yeah, and Oklahoma's biggest challenger the last few years, Baylor, is nothing. So it becomes now a rebuilding Texas and Oklahoma State.
2: Not to mention you can eat food without all this crap on it.
0: I wonder if Bob... They have to, the coaching staff behind closed doors has to be a little pissed off that they're almost getting not out recruited, but they might get beat by a guy that has been fired for multiple jobs and is <laughs> 26 and 28 overall as a head coach.
2: Oh, I mean, there's, those, there's always those frustrations. And I'm sure there's plenty of people on staff that think that the only reason this is happening is because there's some bag man behind it.
0: There might be.
1: I mean, that's maybe not, not unheard of,
0: <laughs> especially at that school.
2: The whole thing about Bagman is like that's become such a thing the last couple of years.
0: Yeah. Well it kind of started did it start with uh uh Cam Newton? Well it became like, okay,
2: we finally proved it with Cam Newton, but it's been that's been out there forever. I can't even yeah, remember yeah, yeah, yeah. who was the receiver uh from like Brenham, Texas, Josh, do you remember?
3: Yeah, the big long kid. Yeah. Uh what was his name? Um went to LSU. What was, uh, and i remember him specifically because he was at a nike camp and ryan Broyles is the guy who shut him down ryan Broyles played corner that day at the nike camp and really did a nice job with that kid and that's kind of when he started to jump up in a lot of people's eyes uh, he was a five-star kid uh no i'll have to look that up dad gun that's gonna drive me crazy carrie wasn't jared lee was it no, that was the quarterback who also the did go to LSU yeah. that year. He yep. was from Braham, yep. too. God uh, damn it. So J- it wasn't
1: Caleb Jones, was it? No. no. Terrence no. Tolliver. No. It was Terrence, Terrence Tolliver. Tolliver.
3: That's exactly who it was. Yep. Yeah, I, was- I,
2: remember, I remember him picking LSU, and I distinctly remember, I'm not going to say who it was, but I can remember someone who was legitimate telling me that they can't compete with the bag men. At LSU, just straight up, he costs you. Straight too much. up, straight up, he's
3: getting paid.
0: That is definitely the uh, the side of recruiting that doesn't get talked enough about.
3: I haven't heard as much since he's been at Alabama, but I at, when he was at LSU, the term "slick Nick" was used a lot. That was something, and it was not a term of his, um, uh, I guess, abilities of, in the living yeah. room. Yeah, as much as anything, there was always <laughs> like with the mothers, th- yeah. I was
2: gonna say in the a bedroom, living room, <laughs> yeah, thing. living room, yeah, definitely <laughs> living room.
1: Uh, Tony Jefferson once told me a story about Alabama's old offensive coordinator, now Lane Kiffin, back when he was at USC, that would uh be very interesting. He that uh basically Pete Carroll was recruiting him for a while. Um, he got the sleazy vibe from Carroll, but nothing ever uh, kind of came out, and then Kiffin took over the job. And immediately just, was, there was no coyness about it. No, hey, if you talk to this guy, just here, you go to this place, we'll take you, get you taken care of here, here, and here. And uh, he basically said that's why I picked Oklahoma. 1,000% chance. I would
0: love to cheat college football with Nick uh, Lane Kiffin.
1: <laughs> what, like be on his
0: staff? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just cheat our ass Be the ass guy that for, what, like...
3: delivers the bags?
2: Yeah,
0: do whatever, man. And is your
3: plan to just be gone by the time you get caught?
0: Uh, be on to the next school? Or just get caught and... Go to the NFL for a couple of years and come back. I mean, that's basically all you have to do nowadays. I do love yeah. the,
2: I don't know if it was a senator, congressman, whatever, that tried to start the, uh, tried to make a law in the SEC country that.
0: Uh, it was in Mississippi. It was they were in trying Mississippi. to stop this whole Miss thing.
2: That do uh, keep NCAA investigations at a minimum or something like that.
0: <laughs> of course it would be in the state of Mississippi. <laughs>
1: I know they say if the NCAA is on your campus, you've already lost. The main goal of those compliance departments is to keep NCAA away. You know, speaking of uh, Mississippi,
0: Josh, I, I think that the the whole the another interesting aspect of the Jacob Phillips uh, looming decision is the decision of Willie Gay, isn't it, and how that affects everything? Because you would think that everybody, the narrative has been that they're going to both end up at LSU, when, in fact, you know, you look at the rivals' predictions and stuff like that, and. I think the, the latest one had Willie Gay landing at Mississippi State.
2: Hold on. Dang it,
0: Joshie, there. I
3: am here now. I got put on hold there, guys. <laughs> yeah, was,
2: Jay Tate tried to call me up. from the Auburn site. I don't know why he just saw I was on Skype and decided, hey, I'm going to call him. Yeah, bring him in. <laughs> so I didn't. Know, I never had someone call me while we were talking to Josh on Skype. So I think we he came on his, and heard uh, Eddie talking and
0: then just stopped and he hung up. Oh, I hope not. We had great conversations. Down we talked about in, Auburn, uh, New Orleans.
2: No, Jay's a good dude. I like Jay a lot. So, anyway, yeah. I, look, I, Jacob Phillips. Let's let's throw this out there. I know, Josh, you thought maybe we could hear something 24 hours or so, or maybe that was Woody's impre- impression. I couldn't remember. Uh, and I know you've already said in the podcast earlier: the longer this this goes on, the better it is for Oklahoma. Do you see a, a decision date a decision time coming on this?
3: I'll be very surprised if he runs it all the way to signing day. I'm guess I've heard that it could be today, tomorrow, like it, it could be very close. My bet is he's going to do it Sunday. If I and that's that's not based on anything I've been told, that's just kind of my feel on how he's handled everything. He's going to let LSU do their in-home which I believe is tonight but I have not confirmed that. And then going to do OU on Friday, which I do know that that is the plan. And then probably sit on it for the weekend, and then maybe make an announcement on Sunday. That that's my guess of the way Jacob will play this, just because he's the kind of kid that's not going to rush into anything. He didn't want to do anything emotional. That's why everybody was saying, "Oh, he's going to flip at LSU." Man, I I just didn't see that. That's not how Jacob has handled any of this stuff, and you know, which goes back to Snapgate on the board last weekend, which just. That never added up to me because he's just not a kid that's going to, especially if it's going to be LSU, I think he is going to go above and beyond to make OU feel as good as they can about it. Obviously, OU's not going to be happy, and he knows it. No matter what, you know, if it is LSU, there's nothing he can say that's going to stem that. Okay, I have a question. I just don't see him being disrespectful.
2: I have a question real quick. Okay, so the guy put the snap, or a screenshot of the snap and I never. I, I think no one ever really understood why. Was the snap real? Or was that... Or was, or, or did we determine that that was, uh, like, photoshopped?
3: I don't think we determined anything. See, I, I don't Snapchat. I don't know if any of you guys I know, I, saw I, it.
2: Eddie snaps. I snap. I think Joe snaps. I never oh, saw okay. it. I never so, saw the Snapchat, but I saw
3: a screen grab of the snap. And, and that's my thing, because I... I basically came out and said what I just said. That would be really surprising to me but because did Phillips, Jacob hasn't handled stuff that way. Did Phillips tell you that it was fake? He flat out told me it's fake. Okay. I sent him a picture of it and he said it's fake. And that was his exact quote. Interesting. So what I'm guessing happened picture- Um or at least Jacob's version of the story would be that yeah, he shot that video. He did the, you know, he did the Snapchat thing. But somebody well, else I, put home on it. Exactly. And and I I didn't I said something along those lines, and I didn't know enough about it, and basically got shouted down by others who were like, oh, no, you couldn't do that. His name's up there in the corner. Well, then, like, the next morning, someone gets on the board and is like, guys, you can do that anytime. You just save the picture to a memory, and then you can ride over it whatever you want to. And he showed an example because he took that picture, and then he put, like, Just Kidding Boomer Sooner or something on it. And it was below the home, but he can't create a new picture. He can't go back, and, and so – it might have just been Jacob shooting video from around the stadium and then whoever put the home in there. Now, I'm, I don't know. He, it may, Jacob may have done exactly that thing, decided it was a bad idea and removed it, but Jacob, he's never been that kid. It, would just be, it wouldn't add up from the fact that, A, he would lie about it. He could just say nothing and ignore it, and he didn't. If, if, if what the poster was claiming, he lied. I, I struggle with that a little bit. Jacob just doesn't strike me as that kid. Secondly, the the issue of him like that's how he's going to present to the world that he's going to go to LSU. I mean, nothing about Jacob's recruitment leads you in that direction that he would do something that kind of sneaky and second, you know, it, it just it would be second rate and that just doesn't strike me as the way Jacob has handled anything about this.
2: Okay, let's let's throw this out there because I'm sure a lot of people have questions, especially guys that aren't subscribers that just listen to the podcast. Um okay, so Marvin Wilson, it's obvious over the last couple of days, OU continues to try and put the full court press on. You had Gerald McCoy, Tommy Harris uh, tweeting at him. I I just thought I'd ask you, if it's not LSU, would you be surprised on signing day with Marvin
3: Wilson? Yeah. I I I, I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm hundred percent, but I'm about eighty percent it's gonna be LSU. I, I just there's way too much smoke. Even, like, when you talk to people around the other staffs, everybody's kind of saying, well, we've got to beat LSU. Well, when every school thinks it's the same school, that that says something. And I, I think it, you can't ignore the Ed Orgeron connection. Obviously, the guy that recruited Marvin for most of his recruitment is now the head coach. So Marvin doesn't just have the defensive line coach as his buddy. He's got the head coach as his buddy. And that that's... Now, it's it's not anybody's fault. It's not something you could have foreseen. It's just it's a nice break for LSU. Yeah,
2: because if Orgeron had been the head coach the entire time, he wouldn't have been able to have as much contact as he
1: had. Exactly right. Exactly right. Josh, I was shocked when Herman left Houston to go to Texas. You know, Marvin's got a relationship with Herman already. He, at that point, uh, was considered to like Texas a lot. I thought, okay, that relationship might take off. And it seemed nothing happened. It seemed like that completely fizzled. How surprised were you that Wilson and Texas didn't take off?
3: A little bit. You know, it struck me, and I've come to this. I think we've talked about it in the podcast a couple times. When Eddie and I interviewed Marvin after that game, uh, the night before the OU-Houston game, and I asked Marvin, hey, you going to the game? And he said, yeah, you know, I want to watch OU, kind of see them. And I said, well, you know, you're going to be watching UH. Because I just try to ask about any school that might be involved. And he just kind of was like, oh, yeah, you know, I might chat." Like, he didn't act interested at all in U of H. And don't get me wrong, I realize Marvin's getting recruited by all the big boys in U of H, but Ed Oliver just went to Houston the year before. He was the previous, you know, big-time D lineman in Houston. Now Marvin's the next guy. It would have made sense. For Marvin to just be like, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of giving him a look. But it almost sounded like I, I'm i not interested at all in U of H. And it didn't feel like just because it was Houston. It felt like something else. And almost instantly when Texas took over, they, they didn't contact Marvin. It was like they knew the situation. I don't know. It was all just very weird. So I think just looking back on what we know now, maybe I'm not as surprised as I was at the time.
2: All right, uh, let's head on and, and talk about some other things that have happened recently in recruiting, uh, most notably uh, Trey Norwood and uh, his commitment. Now, everybody looks at his offer sheets, and they say, well, he didn't have any you know, big SEC offers. Arkansas didn't even offer him. But then you I, – I think I termed it like he kind of became the last call guy. Like, you know, when you're at the bar and they say it's the last call, you got to find the prettiest girl in the
0: room. So you can better... Those guys are always the most fun, though. Uh,
3: So Trey Norwood, I mean, he was last call guy, though,
0: wasn't he? The most fun. I think,
3: well, I think that's fair to say, and I think you also have to give him some credit, because, I mean, everybody knows now, he was the silent commitment that we've been talking about for a week. He was that guy, and he just said, you know, sure, maybe I want to go look... I I think what it came down to is, I want to go look at one other school, but I'm about 100% you're what I want to do. And... So he told OU, and OU trusted it enough to be like, "Okay, we're walking away from Samuel Barnes, we're walking away from Craig Yeast, uh, like or Russ Yeast, excuse me." And so I think he just he was a little bit of last call, but at the same time, he was smart enough to recognize, you know, at some point the the chairs are going to stop turning, and I'm going to have to land somewhere. And he knew OU was his best option. I bet
2: some dude married a last call girl. Like she ended up being fun and. Not stuck up. Oh, sure. and, chances are that's
1: happened at some point. Yeah, right. That's a, <laughs> There's no doubt about. it. If You're
2: a scooper, and you married a girl <laughs> from Last
3: Call. Give us a call. We'll
2: give you a free month subscription,
1: and we want to talk
3: about it. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen Whipped with Amanda Peet? Uh, yeah. I don't think ring so. A bell. There's a fat guy, and literally, it's like his job to jump on the grenade in the group. Like that—that—that's his his role. Uh-huh. And then he—he's got a whole speech where he's like i pulled her pin because uh, he ends up
0: marrying <laughs> one of the grenades take it how you get it <laughs>
2: so anyway but no i mean i i guess i'm trying to make up for making it sound horrible but i mean look this was a guy that a lot of people kind of went back in and took a look at and really liked, though right josh
3: yeah, I, I think there was definitely some growing interest in him. I know um, just before he announced it, I had gotten some questions from our Notre Dame site. Notre Dame really wanted Trey Norwood, so that you know that's that's saying something. I mean, obviously, that's another big-time program that recruits nationally, so they wanted him. I think in a lot of cases, you get these guys that slip through the cracks. I mean, people forget this was Zach Sanchez four or five years ago. Oh, yeah, ago, yeah. That, that no one was that geeked up about, and oh, you took him from Baylor and— you know, next thing you know, Zach Sanchez is an NFL draft pick. Now,
2: well, no, you stole Jordan Thomas from Northwestern. So,
3: yeah, it's another great example. I mean, and, and especially at DB because there's so much depth of talent. You get a lot of these guys where you know the top ten schools, including Oklahoma, are chasing these elite guys, and then they kind of realize, okay, you know, whatever school it is, realizes, okay, we're not going to win this time around. We got to start looking for our next option. Well, then you get these guys that are still really good players, defensive backs. You can find good DBs. They are out there. They are to be found. It's along the lines where you really need to hit your your primary options because the the depth pool
1: dwindles pretty fast. And you, you brought up Jordan Thomas and Zach Sanchez. Trey Norwood would be more of a Zach Sanchez type, right, in your opinion? He's, he's kind of a smaller guy, better in zone, a ball hawk, whereas Jordan can kind of play more physical style. Am, am I wrong there? Oh,
3: I think you're right. I think that's absolutely right. And if they didn't already have a guy like Broyles – it would be interesting to me to see if Norwood would maybe become their nickel guy. Like I, I think he's very natural dropping off in a coverage, doing some of that stuff. Where I think Justin, though, maybe not as blessed athletically as Trey Norwood because he's not going to be, you know, Trey Norwood's a a chronicled, you know, sub ten seven guy in the hundred meters. I mean, he can really go. Broyles, I think, has a little more natural man to man skills than Norwood does, but he's not quite as athletic. So I think it's kind of interesting to see how that plays out and how kerry cooks chooses to use those guys
1: how much uh josh in your expertise does hips play a factor into that
3: well now we we could make this real weird now we're gonna need some music to kind of come down off of you know one of those special adult videos as i start talking about hips but as we all know that you know i to me that's where you you'd find elite defensive backs are guys that can turn and run i you, you know, I talked about you can find defensive backs. You can find zone corners. Those guys, I mean, they're you want them to be physical, come up, play run, do those things. But a guy who can legitimately turn and run with an elite receiver, man, those guys, those are not as easy to find. Those dudes are hard to come by. And like I said, Norwood is a guy that's very fluid. And what's interesting to me is when I watch him on tape, I see a guy that's quicker than fast and yet you see 100-meter times of like 1055 5 for him. Yeah,
1: he doesn't, so it, he doesn't look like Trey Franks or somebody on tape who's just kind of stiff and fast, or Julian Wilson. He's, he's fluid. Yeah,
3: yeah I, now I admit I don't see 10-5-5 five, five guy when I watch him on tape, but he looks plenty fast, but what does stick out to me is he is quick. In short areas, he's very quick.
2: I'm really looking for some sexy music, but I can't find any.
1: Wow, wow, wow. I listened to some, I was telling Carrie, I listened to some live on the way into the... To do the podcast today, and I, th- I think live is an underrated, sexy time music. The band live, right? The band the live, band live? like what like song you, particularly? The one, You're the,
3: getting naughty. to Dolphins cry. Like
1: lay me down. That <laughs> one. That one's a good one. That's what I heard coming in. Okay, that's well. A, I mean, I'm telling you, listen to uh, tonight. I'm just letting you know. I love you like, like water. water. There you Bing, go. Oh, that's live. Yeah.
3: That feels like this is the first time we've had sex kind of hook up. That that doesn't that's feel like That's not sexy time now. Yeah, like yeah, like you know, we're we're thro- you know, like I'm you're on the table like something more aggressive. Like not, you know, hey I thought you
2: were going to say like I alone or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm like
3: it's, god what's wrong with you? <laughs> well, I mean, it's you know, that's not like well, it's Sunday at 12:30. We better get this in.
1: So, you know, that that that's not one of those songs. Sorry I wasn't alive when Afternoon Delight came out i don't think i was either i don't think i was oh wow i don't josh felt good lord it didn't have to sound that bad i was you you, i'm just saying the 2020 offer sent you for a loop today oh yeah that's i feel like you had to to reevaluate things once you saw that
3: yeah oh no as soon as i started getting coaches telling me about a 2020 kid i was like man that's that's it that's that's the official i'm super old because now I mean, when I started this, I was like two years older than the guys I was covering, and now most of the—I mean, literally—we're to the point where these guys weren't alive when I when I graduated.
2: All right, so coming down the home stretch, we've got a week to go, maybe less, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Uh, but we talked about—I mean, God—we spent like thirty-five, forty minutes talking about Jacob Phillips on this podcast, uh, Marvin Wilson. For those that were curious. But let's talk – I mean, coming down, what's going to – what are you looking for, Josh, in terms of uh, – I'm sure there's some things that you know that you can't talk about, but uh, should we expect some movement on the defensive line? Should we expect maybe some surprises to pop up here coming into signing day?
3: I I think that there is the possibility of maybe one surprise in there somewhere. I I don't – I'm not quite ready to put it out there, but there, there are things – Oklahoma is definitely still – running through they're not just kind of resting on their laurels and gonna say hey we're you know we're, we're gonna get who we're gonna get here they are trying to close out on some names uh obviously i, I think this weekend if oklahoma could be in a situation to land tyrese lot who i think is gonna announce on friday and i think it's a really good situation for oklahoma um and then you've got both taquan graham and cory bethley a couple of good uh Defensive lineman, Bethley from Katy, Texas, same program that Matt Diamond came from. Taquan Graham, the Texas commitment from uh, Temple, Texas.
2: Send you some sexy time music while you talk about this, by the way.
3: Okay, okay. So the nice thing is, is I can talk over it and it doesn't even distract me because yeah. I can't hear it. But as far as Taquan Graham and Corey Bethley, I think it's just a question of if Oklahoma were to get or if both wanted to come, what does Oklahoma do? Can they take both? I, I don't know. I don't think so. But at the same yeah. time, it's going to be pretty tough with OU's defensive line so numbers to say no to a quality player like either one of those guys. I but no. I, I think Graham's the better option. I think Bethley's possible. I think he's probably likely to stay in the state of Texas. I think he'll end up choosing probably between A&M and TCU. Just but him leaving <laughs> A&M last weekend not committed's is big. And Graham, again, I he's been giving OU a lot of positive vibes, has always been very open with me about his interest. So I think OU's got a chance there.
0: Did anyone pay attention to what Josh was saying? Probably not. Can Josh even hear that? So he probably <laughs> no, doesn't even know. No, no. no was, it's
3: beautiful. Like, oh, I know you guys gosh. are doing it. And I'm just like, I don't even have to listen to any of that. I can just roll right through this.
0: With, with Bethley, that seems like a pretty interesting situation in that, you know, I, I think you've said on the board a couple times this week that kind of came out of nowhere, hasn't it? That oh, OU maybe sort of could be a, a legitimate player for him. Well, guys, I mean, like, and I, I've done this before, and I
3: need to go back and try to find my the thing I had on my uh, computer about it. But when you look at the, stati- excuse me, the statistics, <laughs> I got, I couldn't statistics. get it out. I don't know what that was about. Um, <laughs> of of guys that have taken a visit on the last weekend to a school and ended up going to that school, it's pretty staggering. Like even a lot of upsets within those decisions. So. For Oklahoma to kind of have the last real chance, last chance to really show him something. And Corey Bethley's never been to OU, so they can do a lot of different stuff with him, show him just about anything he wants to see, and there's going to be a lot of flash and glamour to it because it's new to him. Um, With Graham, he's been up before. Oklahoma is just going to try to do all they can to show, hey, we've we've been with you all along. This new Texas staff, you don't know what you're getting. It's kind of what we talked about with Jacob Phillips and Marvin you get to sell that there's stability here. We've got a need for you here. I mean, I, I think there's absolutely an expectation if Taquan Graham picks Oklahoma that he will be in the two-man rotation or the two-deep almost from word go next year. I mean, he they see him as that kind of guy, in my opinion. So that that's what they're going to sell. And I, I think with Bethley, Oklahoma knows it's a little bit of an uphill battle, but he's such a good player. It's just kind of one of those things, like I said earlier, with the Marvin InHome, why not take the shot?
1: That's why one of the big benefits of building that huge class early, and you've talked about this a few times in the podcast, is they really can focus in now, and uh, it's something that they really haven't had the luxury on before. I remember in the past, what was that weekend I had, like Courtney Gardner and... Uh, uh, Michael and Noha, and they had like five, six, seven mm-hmm. guys in. I think they had talking
2: like f- about some legends there.
1: Yeah, right. And I think uh, Damian Williams, I think yeah. was in that vicinity. And, and they all committed every one of them. And mm-hmm. that oh, usually not in that situation where they're trying to throw out a wide net. Even though there were some uh, some names in there, but th- now they can really focus and more have like a, a scalpel kind of mentality and be more surgical in their approach here.
0: Well, there's no doubt. I, I think that if they they can keep Jacob Phillips, it is a product of them being so successful early in recruiting. I'd say so.
2: Yeah. And and, and the fact that they could all focus in on Jacob mm-hmm. Phillips like they have. I mean, I would have to think Mike Stoops is going to be there, too, on Thursday, Friday, or whatever
0: date it is, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You'd yeah. have to think. Because he hasn't been there, right?
2: No, oh, he was there last time.
0: He can go as oh, often as he wants. Yeah, There's no limitation right. on that. That's right. Yeah. People said that they want to be a fly on the wall for that in-home visit. I'd almost rather be, we should do some cyber terrorism and hack into the Sooner Squad 17's text group. Maybe that's what I'll do today. Oh, man. Is it on me? They always tell you to cover up your camera. How do we do that? With a tape.
2: Yeah, how do we hack into somebody's camera?
1: Uh, I've been watching Mr. Robot, so I'll, I'll start paying more attention. A couple so- of those guys, I don't know if I want to see the pictures that they're taking.
2: No, not the pictures, but the, you, you hack in. the camera. Oh, you the, can hack in camera. through the yeah. camera? Yeah. Like That's what they saying. say, like Mark Zuckerberg, like he covers all of his cameras.
0: Yeah, that's why I always put mine down. The, government what they would see would just be
2: <laughs> how are, how is the truther movement uh handling donald trump's presidency so far
0: uh pretty good you staying woke yeah they're building the wall today but the good news is <laughs> mexicans aren't paying for it we're paying for it but we're going to get reimbursed so it's a good deal how are we getting reimbursed it's an iou that's just daddy don he'll figure it out <laughs> he'll figure it out
3: all right, Joe. You can still post. Eddie and
1: Carrie have lost posting rights. Boom! <laughs> Man. Would have never thought. No it.
3: politics. No politics on the podcast. You sons of bitches.
1: That's a surprise victory for me.
3: That's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe. If there was anybody I thought it would go, it was you, buddy.
1: <laughs> and let the jokes start. Well,
2: that's not going to make any difference with Murdoch. Yeah. Post anyway. <laughs>
0: my my. Mike Farrell, that's all he needs to do is drop some political uh, bombs on the board right now, and it might, that thing might just completely like, melt.
2: Like Seth Davis, I'm just like, sh- I mean, like, I don't care what your politics are, but just sh- stop, shut up, the, you know, I don't even know who he works for anymore. Probably I literally place.
3: unfollowed Jason Locke and Fora. Yeah, he's been constant. really bad. Yeah. Like, that's
2: the thing about us, like. Look, we're going to joke about politics and stuff everyone's talking about, but we're not going to get political. That's just not what we're going to do.
1: Ever. Not with us, no. I'll do it if you want to talk to me on the streets. But Yeah, that's yeah not it.
2: we know, Joe. <laughs> but no, I don't do it here. You don't hear it on it's the tough podcast. Guess, if you're going to talk yes, to Joe, was... you better feel the burn. That's all I'm, I'm going to say.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'd think, say, you looking at Joe, you're kind of like, Boy, I wonder where he comes out on the political side of things. Oh uh, like yeah, you don't have to wonder. I'm an not, open book. He's not. He's no. He's no <laughs> sort
1: of enigma whatsoever. <laughs> you know what you get when you get Joe? <laughs> Dirty hippie.
2: <laughs> Dirty hippies. You're multiplying, by the way. I found your doppelganger. Uh, where? I at? think I sent that photo out, didn't I? To the. Oh yeah. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: That's right. Yeah. A lot of uh, good-looking people emerging.
3: I saw an Eddie look-alike at Starbucks a few weeks ago. I meant to take a picture, and then it kind of like, we were in a situation where it was going to be creepy. There was no way I could, like, sneak it, and it would be cool. And I wasn't sure if I had my, you know, the little noise off as I hit the button. I was like, he's going to hear me. And so I just, I, I ducked out.
0: Once you once you get over the fact that you're probably going to get caught out by somebody taking a picture of him, it's much easier just to take the picture.
2: So you've been called out?
0: <laughs> uh, I have, I've never been called out, but I've definitely had, like, I've stopped and, like, taking a picture of somebody at a... At a intersection and stuff, and I've had them notice like I'm taking a picture and I'm just like yeah, taking a picture of you, fool. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter, you know. Joe, we I guess we can take this moment to uh, maybe hit on some trade, Trey Young news. Oh yeah, sure. I know that that was kind of a big deal around around these parts here. Uh, I guess within the last week, after Rayford Young came out on Twitter and said that. Brilliant move, by the way. Just <sighs> a brilliant move by everybody all the way around.
2: And by the way, I I mean I read that Clay Horning article. As soon as he tweeted it, and I thought, man, that's kind of harsh for high school, yeah, but then I think I read it two more times by the end of the week, and after the third time reading, I was like, "That's fair, like that's not that critical or harsh. i mean I mean he he is questioning you know I think Trey Young's
0: decision making, but I think that's about as far as you go. He's not saying he was a bad person. It's like the number yeah. fifteen he's the top fifteen player in the country number fourteen, and You're that's right, the, the
1: probably the first time that somebody's been ever been critical of him I mean They lost to a crummy team when that article came out. You know, that's what happens when you lose to crummy teams. Now, sometimes that criticism might, in your opinion, be, you know, not fair or, you know, too tough or whatever. But I don't get how going, and for those of you who missed it, uh, Trey Young's dad tweeted out. Rayford Young. Rayford Young quoted that uh, on Twitter and said, Time to be honest, OU fans, these two writers will be the reason my son can't go to school here. It's been four years of this, which he promptly then deleted. Uh, a few minutes after that
0: and then after everybody had screenshotted it right <laughs> no but be- there's no better move than the tweet
1: and then immediate <laughs> <laughs> delete yeah because they're like well everybody saw that they so. don't understand how the internet works but you know I, if you go to kansas which most people believe that's what trey has between ou and kansas it's not gonna get any better if you lose you t- go one for ten against kansas and shoot half court three pointers you're gonna get roasted right that's the way it goes and and you know I, I think that it was just a thin-skinned moment and it was petty and I, I think uh, that I think both sides kind of understood that quickly and uh, they met yesterday and from what I'm told, that meeting was initiated by the young family. They went to OU and said, hey, we want to talk about things. And now what I found interesting was I heard that oh there wasn't anything to smooth over smooth over. Oh, okay, well, then why didn't the meeting happen? Why would what, what yeah. were you talking about? So obviously there was something that had to be smoothed over, but it seemed like both sides have gotten through that. And I'm told that Oklahoma doesn't doesn't even believe that they're behind. They still believe that they're going to get Trey. Now I'm not might not share that optimism after seeing that tweet. But they're, 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 the belief is that that was more of a an emotional outburst by Trey's dad, and kind of more of a a play, like a a, a move that our Papa Donnie would do to try to you know bargaining chip. And I got
2: I have to think, even though the Sooners have you know had some rough losses here in the last two games, have not been pretty and the way that they've lost them, double overtime to Iowa State, and then it blown a uh, – did they ever have a big lead against Texas? Five-point lead with I mean, 19 seconds, with 19 left, 19 but seconds left, left, but yeah. I mean, but they didn't blow a 19-point lead. Like, But the thing is, like, you see Christian Doolittle, you see Cameron Mcgusty, and I have to think Trey Young looks at that and says, man, this is a good young nucleus of
0: players. I could really fit in here. I could be the guy that puts them over the top. Not
2: to mention that – you know, having Jordan Woodard and not having Jordan Woodard, he can see how much better that makes the team.
1: Oh, absolutely. And Oklahoma believes that they have this perfect package for Trey set up. They, they're not even lo- really looking at any other point guard right now. They have a, a one spot left in their class. It's for a point guard. Jordan Woodard is going to be leaving, and they're focusing solely on the local five-star point guard. And I, 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 he's, He could come into a, a situation that he knows um, – he knows is going to be trending in the right direction. Long Kruger has had a positive experience at every college program he's been to, so if you look at what he's going to come into, he's going to come into the season go nowhere but up with nothing but young players. I mean, you lose Jordan. They're Woodard. getting
2: better for the most. I mean, Christian James he, is the only guy you can point to and say he's not getting better. I mean, maybe Kadim Latin a little bit, but. What, Christian Doolittle? I mean, my God. 29 points. He's going to be one of the best players in this conference if he continues on this. Well,
1: scored scored uh, double-digit points for his seventh straight game, and he had a career-high, like, 23 against Texas. So mm-hmm. those are two. Those guys are going to be sophomores next year, sophomores. And so if Trey Young comes into that situation, I, I really think that Oklahoma is going to be a team that could compete for a conference title. That's how good he is, and that's how good that young talent is. The crazy thing that Oklahoma's kind of put the situation they put themselves in is – if Trey doesn't come to OU, then it's Jordan Shepard and Darian Strong running the point. And
0: I, you I'm put not,
1: yourself in. You've, you've gone all in. You've, you've yeah, gone ex- all yeah, in on Trey Young. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, they, there's confidence there in Norman. Um, and and the, the confidence from Kansas' side tends to be, well, we're Kansas, Bill Self's trying, so we're going to get him. Um, but the side from Oklahoma, they they think that this they've made a strong pitch, that they have everything they've needed to. They've crossed all their T's and dotted all their I's. To sell trey on coming here and and i i, I will say this i did also hear which he he said he's gonna have a december decision and then a january decision i am hearing that oklahoma is expecting the decision to come sometime in february pretty soon into the month so good stuff is, we're coming, will be down, interesting. coming down the wire here
0: you know and, and rayford young he has tweeted and this was uh within the four days ago i guess it was the night of the uh texas game uh, just talking about how good Cam Mcgusty is. Mcgusty is mm-hmm. uh, said he's going to be a player. A great feel for the game. So I mean, it's not all bad if you want to. Yeah, at wanna least he's look watching
2: that. OU games. Yeah. and commenting on them. Yeah, and you know, and I, I think yeah, I think he kind of came out to you know certain people that he does talk to, and you did get the sense like he regretted ever saying that, uh, and that you know basically things weren't weren't dire for OU because yeah. of that.
1: I mean, I've heard a theory that which makes sense to me that. That tweet almost suggests that he is going to go to OU and he's attempting to kind of set the market ahead of time. He's letting the press know kind of what he expects for Trey ahead of time. Um, why else would he kind of criticize them if he was going to leave? So I, I think that's something to consider, too. That Why would he do that if he wasn't going to be worried about the coverage in the future? We will not meet those standards. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, look, Buddy Heald... Blake Griffin, if you're a great player at Oklahoma, yep. you're going to get overwhelming positive vibes compared to any criticism.
1: Oklahoma's had more Naismith winners than Kansas has. Kansas had one it was Danny Manning. OU's had Blake Griffin um, and Buddy Heald. So I, Oklahoma can provide us. on
0: that, Allen Fieldhouse.
1: Nice. <laughs> Oklahoma can provide a spotlight. It can do that. I mean, if the you're the guy and you come to Oklahoma, you're the guy. OU. Take that fog, Allen. <laughs> Guess what? You're dead, son. <laughs> The Danny Manning one probably stings the most, though. I think that. Uh,
2: yeah, that was my that was my childhood right there,
1: '88. I was one. What what depends on the month. I might not have. No, so it was March of '88, I was not alive yet.
2: <laughs> All right, is, your uh, attempt to make me feel old and Josh old, <laughs> it it has finally worked today. It's, <laughs> is Josh is Bam. Josh
0: back? Josh, you're with us, right? I'm here. We, we still have enough basketball. He's playing with his dog. There was there was one thing that dog. I saw on the board that. Uh, I figured we could talk about was uh, the article out of the Chicago Tribune this morning, which I thought was great. Uh, I think Teddy Greenstein wrote it and talking about a guy that I think a lot of people, if you don't like remind them who he is, don't know, have any idea who he is, but Eric Swenson and kind of his road to get to Norman after, uh, after pretty much being stabbed in the back by Jim Harbaugh. I thought it was a great article. All I need to go read it. Yeah, I haven't had a chance. Uh, I really liked how they kind of laid everything out and let you decide at the end. But uh, just kind of what were your thoughts on that, and uh, where where everything went after that? It sounds like well, my first- Eric Swenson has has a chance to be a player here. I, he's been a guy that's been mentioned by Lincoln Riley. But sorry, Josh, go ahead.
3: No, no, you're fine. My, my first thought is I like that you went into that. I mean, because that story was all about presenting the facts and then letting you decide. And what I liked, Eddie, is you went in there with no preconceived notions of Jim Harbaugh. You went in there just open (laughs) Mm -hmm. to the picture. But no, I mean, you know, this is one of those things. And I thought the story kind of touched on it. Man, this stuff happens. Players get processed and and coaches coaches process players and recruits decommit. It happens. Like, I don't know why people end up getting mad about either one. They are just realities. And on a singular level... Yeah, it sucks. But like we talked about last week when we were talking about the Connecticut kid, why do you want to go somewhere you're not wanted anyway? My only problem is if the information isn't relayed correctly. Like I understand Michigan at some point in there, they were trying to decide, hey, are we going to have a spot for this guy? Do we still want this guy? Can we get a better player than him? Like I understand all of those things. But by the middle of January, you knew. You had known for a while that you weren't taking that kid. And you need to relay that information. You, you need to just be upfront and say, hey, no, we're just not going to take you. We don't mean to leave you in this bad spot. We'll help you in any way we can. But I felt like they just kind of washed their hands and were like, yeah, we're done with you, man. No, no, best of luck. So, and again, I thought his coach talked about it when he was saying, oh, we're going to, um, or, you know, the coach was saying, oh, Harbaugh was obviously leaking all this information that he was lazy and didn't work hard and he's having to fight that off while trying to find new places for his kid to land and that's tough you know that that that's, that's a little that's to me that's when it gets to be unfair yeah. you don't have to shoot the kid down just let him know hey we don't have a spot for you we're really sorry we'll help you you know we'll put your name out there to some places don't run him down as well that
0: that's just not right yeah well and i i think almost i i felt like after reading it that you know i think there's obviously still some hate for michigan and i loved how they talked about him watching the Sugar, or the uh, Orange Bowl in the team hotel uh, down in New Orleans and stuff. But I almost feel like in 10, 15 years, and say he has a career at OU, maybe in the professional ranks and stuff, I almost feel like he's going to look back and say, I needed that kind of that ass-kicking my senior year, even though it was really tough to accept at the time. Uh, you know, Maybe I needed that to get my head screwed on straight before I went to college.
3: I don't know. There are, there are kids like that every year. That end up, you know, kind of having that chip on their shoulder and they uh, end up going out to try and prove, you know, to everybody, hey, I'm good enough. You know, I think a great example is a guy that's kind of a storyline today. Eric Stryker got largely Mm -hmm. overlooked by all the regional and local schools. No, you took him and the guy went out and pretty much played pissed off for four years.
1: Yeah, but then Eric Stryker is another good example of how there is limitations to that because that that worked through college, but then he reached his wall. So. There's always a scale to this. There's always, you know, kind of at some point you have to have it, but then there's also another part of the equation where you got to also kind of have the drive too, because you, you can't make it in that sport and that business without a drive. What I was going to say, which brings me to the guy that kind of has the most, the best combination I think you could say of anybody to have talent and drive that in in the rivals era is Adrian Peterson. And uh, I, we were talking kind of before the show, Josh, what would that would probably be the most, Signature signing day for OU in their history, Landy, the number one overall player. Do you what? Do you remember what that day was like? Because you were there, right? I was. I was there at his announcement, and I can say
3: what's funny is looking back on that is Adrian Peterson signed with OU, and our board was lamenting and angry about the loss of a, I think either a low four star or a high three star cornerback that had been committed to OU. That flipped to A and M and did it theatrically, like burned an OU hat or something during his announcement. You know, like it was a <laughs> whole thing at his high school. A uh, kid from Duncanville, if I remember right, and I'm going to blank on his name right now. But that tells you how much this kid ended up doing and how much it ended up mattering. And OU fans weren't talking about the fact that they just signed the number one quarterback and the number one running back in the country. They were worried about this guy. I mean, that that's just the way recruiting is. It's never People forget about the ones you had. Like nobody was talking about how great Jacob Phillips was until they thought they might lose him. And now, this you know really great player, but an inside linebacker is being treated like he's Adrian Peterson. You know, and Jacob's a great player. He absolutely is. Is Oklahoma two wins better next year because of Jacob Phillips? Probably not. So it's funny how that turns. But as I've deviated from the story. Yes. Was there at Adrian Peterson's announcement. It was one of the most chaotic things I've ever been a part of. I was driving down the day before. I get to about Purcell and literally the transmission in my truck blows out. I'd never had a car problem. I get towed all the way back to Oklahoma City, had to rent a car through a friend. Uh, because I wasn't 25, I wasn't applicable at that point to <laughs> rent from enterprise or any of the other major companies. So I had a friend, uh, who was a Diffy and he, he ran a lot. And so he, he got me a car. I end up in a Ford Aerostar driving all the way down in my minivan to Palestine, Texas, get there at like 1:30 in the morning is announcements at like 7:30 the following morning and get there. And we go through the whole thing, uh, it was my first time to meet Adrian in person, really, and get to talk with him. He damn near broke my hand. He still has the strongest handshake I've ever been around. And we walk outside of the high school, and you know I'm fixing to leave, and he and I are just kind of small talking. And he sees me head out to my car and promptly makes fun of my minivan. So <laughs> it was not my shining moment as a
1: Soonerscoop.com reporter. That, so that maybe is why you have the truck you have. That moment with Adrian Peterson, you said, Damn it! I'm never gonna have this again. I'm gonna have the I'm biggest truck. I'm gonna have tr- a monster truck. Just waiting to meet to run into him down in Houston during the off season.
3: <laughs> I actually ran into him um, last summer, last spring um, at a Houston's Houston Arts Festival event. He was out there. I was with you know my wife doing the married guy thing, and uh, he was out there. Actually, also saw Romeo Cranel at the same thing. It was a very weird kind of football arts thing. I don't know what that was about that year. But, um, so yeah, salt ran into him and I didn't have the truck at that time, but if I would have, I would have dragged him out there and make him, you know, like, give me credit for it. Look, I got a big truck, dude. He'd be like, I got like nine of those. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, that doesn't have 47s on it. Well, whatever, dude.
2: All right. That's good stuff. Uh, great stuff on Trey young. Great stuff on Adrian Peterson. Uh, a lot of Jacob Phillips talk today, which I think is great. Uh, we'll be back again next week. We'll figure out exactly what day. Signing Day is coming up on Wednesday, so we probably won't have time to do a podcast that day. Uh, but we'll get you guys all the schedule about what we'll be doing, where we'll be, uh, that kind of thing coming up next week and over the weekend. Uh, but want to remind you guys, go check us out on iTunes. Give us a rating if you don't mind. Uh, appreciate everyone who's done that so far. Uh, it's been a while since we got a rating, though. So uh, yeah. uh, go on there and uh, uh, tell us what you think about the podcast. Tell us how you think to make it better. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback or just email any of us uh, I know it's a, it's it's everybody enjoys the podcast. We had a record uh, crowd last time. Hopefully, we'll do the same this time as well. I want to remind you guys also, uh, it doesn't just end with signing day. Uh, sign up to Soonerscoop.com. Become a member of the boards because spring football is going to be coming quick after signing day. Obviously, a lot of really cool stuff to be following there. The running back battles, uh, backup quarterback battle that will really get underway is uh, is is Austin Kendall. was the backup last year, but now Kyler Murray. Uh, will be in the mix there. We'll get to see if Kyler Murray kind of starts maybe looking at some alternate positions to help out the team as well.
0: I will see Kyler Murray on Friday afternoon. OU's first baseball, baseball. practice. Oh, yeah,
2: that's right, and he's playing baseball, so that'll be interesting.
0: I am going to go out there on Friday though, okay, so look cool. for some stuff on that.
2: All right, cool. And of course, OU basketball. Look, I know it's not been a great season, uh, but I would say keep watching this team. Christian yep. Doolittle, fantastic. Uh, Cameron McGusty. Uh, We'll see if Christian James can ever get it together. I would just like to see uh, Kadeem Latin kind of develop a little bit more. I mean, he's had some big blocks, but he's shooting from the free throw line a little bit better. Uh, and he does hit some jumpers, everyone. but he's still kind of the same guy he was last Jemani
1: year. Jemani McNeese might be the post guy Jemani to McNeese McNeese He's fantastic. He has, a, he has a high, high ceiling there. I know Fran
2: Fraschilla is really
1: high on him, thinks he has an NBA
2: future, or at least a pro basketball future. He's talked about that a lot. So thanks to Eddie Radosevich and Joe Duvall here in studio. Thanks to Josh McQuistian back at his home base. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Unofficial 40. Uh, we'll talk to you guys maybe before, probably after signing day. Uh, a little bit next week as well. So thanks guys for listening and we'll see you next time on the Unofficial 40.